0: Hey everybody, welcome to AUSU Open Mic. AUSU serves over 35,000 undergrads at Athabasca University from coast to coast to coast and all around the world. I'm today's host, Duncan Witasik. I'm the AUSU Governance and Advocacy Coordinator, and I'm joined by two of my friends, your AUSU president, Brandon Simmons, and Adam Brown, who was just re-elected as vice president external at the University of Alberta Students' Union, and he also represents you, Athabasca students, as the chair of the Canadian Alliance of Student Associations, or CASA. Hello, guys.
1: Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me.
0: Ah, happy to have you.
1: It's exciting. It's not very often we get uh, opportunities to have people guests in our office with it being all online. So whenever we can have opportunities like this and invite them to participate in our podcast and that, it's great to be able to show our members what what we're doing in behind the scenes. So yeah, I mean, it helps that I'm right across the river as it opposed to driving or flying from somewhere. Well, so you're, far, you're closer than some of our uh, counselors and <laughs> yeah, that no as kidding. well. So I guess that's true.
0: <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Adam?
2: Sure. Uh, So I'm uh, originally from Calgary, uh, born and raised. uh, I did uh, French immersion as well in junior high and high school, and then I I decided to go to the University of Alberta. I'm uh, entering my fifth year now uh, doing a major in uh, business economics and law between the Alberta School of Business and Campus Saint-Jean, which is the University of Alberta's uh, French campus. I got into uh, student union advocacy and the whole the governance lifestyle, basically, and because it is a lifestyle, uh, I got into that in first year. Uh, I've been I was on the campus Saint John Students Association for about three years, and then mm-hmm. decided to run for the University of Alberta Students Union as the VP External. I was successful, uh, and then I got elected CASA Chair about a, m- a month or so after I took office there. So it's been it's been a pretty wild ride the last uh, four years, but uh, I I am sticking around with the Students Union, and I'm really glad to be back.
0: Out of curiosity, Brendan, how how much does that match your entry here into AUSU? I know we've had a couple of podcasts where we've talked about that, but does that story ring true, or is your pathway very different?
1: Well, you know what, like all, all Athabasca students, my pathway is a little different. Um, just my whole experience of even coming to AU is different, and I am going on my Eighth, eighth year at uh <laughs> Brandon's Athabasca. what we call a veteran. <laughs> so, and now I'm going on my fourth year uh, as a student leader. So, you know what, it's, there's definitely some similarities when Adam speaks to it being a lifestyle. You know what, it is. Yeah. I, when I came into my role, uh, AUSU was in some very challenging times and I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. I saw that I came in with, as an accountant and saw there's a lot of business challenges. I said, oh, I can go fix that. And then I got in and realized there's a lot more than just <laughs> uh, running an organization. There's a lot uh, of politics involved. And that's actually when I got involved with CASA because we had just joined at that point. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know what? I realized I loved it so much that when it kind of came down to, okay, I'm doing two full-time roles. I'm working at least 70 hours a week, plus uh, I'm doing school. I got to make a decision here. And I finally said, you know what, I'm I'm going to stick with the student union. So I, I left my job as an accountant. And so it, the pay is a lot lower <laughs> coming and working at a student yeah. union. And, modest. We're modest. And my wife, uh, she likes to remind me that she would love for me to one day not have to run for election for my job every, <laughs> every year. So, but you know what, I, I love being able to do it. And you know what it is? It's a way of life. And the people who come into these roles and that you realize just how important the role is to be able to stand up for students at the institution, but then also at the government level as well.
0: Right. Speaking of incredibly high paid jobs, tell us about the voluntary position of being CASA chair. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, yeah, it uh, it literally pays nothing onto the work <laughs> that I do, but uh, it's really one of those positions where you get as much out of it as you put into it, maybe not monetarily, but uh, absolutely, in experience, in relationships, in networking, in just advancing the interests of uh, two hundred and sixty thousand or three hundred and fifty thousand when we include Quebec uh, students across Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's really been uh, one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life to to be able to uh, step onto really the national scene and to both learn about but also try to bolster CASA's reputation and how where where students fit sort of into that. Uh, into the federal government and how we can really sort of make those changes there uh, and, and benefit our, our post-secondary experiences. And, and having worked with a board of directors like I did this year, I was just I was saying before we started recording that we had our, our last board meeting this morning of mm-hmm. the year and uh, we were ratifying uh, some some emotions and just sort of cleaning some stuff up and uh, just getting to work with a team like that from across the country uh, and learning what it's like to work with a, with a national team. Uh, it really is one of the best
1: experiences I think I've ever had.
0: Brendan, what would you say CASA does for AU, for it's our students and our organization?
1: You know, it's something that we think a lot about because you know what we're all every year we're going through and reviewing all the services and everything we offer. We want to make sure we're giving you value for for your money. And you know what, if CASA just it makes sense for our members mm. because we represent students across Canada. Everybody else, you represent one area, but for us. The impact, the changes that happen at the federal level affect all of our members equally. We're definitely looking at the provincial side of advocacy right now because that does play a role. But if student loans change in Alberta, that doesn't affect 60% of our members. Right. So CAS is a huge, it's definitely, that's, I guess that's why it's been such a high priority over the years that we've been focusing on the federal side because everything that happens can be applicable to all the members that we represent.
0: Adam, tell us a little bit about what the federal government does do and and that impacts Mm post-secondary students. I think a a lot of people take a very strict view of the Constitution and be like, well, the federal government has no role in post-secondary. But I I think you would you would argue that that's not necessarily true.
2: You're absolutely right. Um, A lot of people do think that, you know, oh, everything about post-secondary. Is, is provincially run, why would the federal government have any sort of stake in that? Um, and even though there might not be a minister of, you know, advanced or post-secondary education on the federal mm-hmm. level, there is a lot of ways that the federal government does uh, touch students. Um, the biggest way, I would say, is the student financial aid, uh, you know, the Canada Student Loans Program side. We have been uh, advocating, I'd say, fairly successfully over the last number of years. For some changes to that, we've seen uh, the, the current federal government increase the number of grants that are available to students that are upfront non-repayable versus loans. Uh, the last federal budget that we saw brought in uh, a decrease in interest on student loans as well mm-hmm. as the creation of a six-month interest-free grace period so that you don't have to start paying your loans till six months after you graduate but that interest also doesn't start accumulating until you have to start paying back your loans so there's that there's the financial aspect uh, we can look at uh, things like mental health the federal right. government plays a large uh, a large role in that even though Health care is is a provincially uh, more of a provincial domain. Uh, we ran a mental health campaign over the last year called Students Let's Act, where we did call on the federal government to look at investing in more constructive mental health strategies, uh, in modifying uh, some of the Canada Student Loan Program uh, facets so that students can h- receive grants for when they do they may need to withdraw from a course or if they're having some sort of uh, mental health issue that uh, does that impacts their post-secondary experience, that it's not going to also impact them financially. So Mm -hmm. um, mental health is a huge one. International students, obviously, there's many uh, different facets of how the federal government plays into that, whether it's study permits, whether it's uh, pathways to citizenship. Uh, International students deal with the the federal government, I would say, probably as much as they would with the provincial government. Uh, and I'd say the last probably big pillar of it, or last two maybe, uh, the first being research uh, through the tri-council agencies, so mm-hmm. the federal agencies that allocate research funds. Uh, we want to make sure that students are getting enough research opportunities and that uh, they don't always have to hook themselves to a professor to do research, but that they should be doing their own. And the last one being student employment. So, for example, the Canada Summer Jobs Program, a uh, great way for students to get jobs, to get more experience that can help, uh, can help bolster their success in the future.
0: Brandon, what does that mean to AU students, in your mind? Those, those kinds of changes, does it have a big impact on our students?
1: Well, it, it all depends on the, the needs of our students. We have so, such a variety of, of needs because we've got students who are coming right out of high school and starting their post-secondary journey. We have students who are, have been employed forever and are going back, and we have students who are just working and continuing to upgrade. And so it affects the, a lot of those things affect them differently. For all of our students who are on uh, student aid, those changes are, are very impactful. It's amazing that what that grace period is on mm-hmm. once you graduate, knowing that you're not going to have to be charged this interest and accumulating it like you were in the past. And so those are some really big impacts and that the number of students who are actually starting to access that student aid, it's, it's growing. And a nice piece too is, you know, what the federal government ha- they're increasing their grants. You know, even specifically for AU students, for students who have been out of uh, high school for a significant amount of time, now they're um, providing uh, an income top up grant that is uh, you're able to access if you've kind of been like for myself where, you know, I left, I went to the workforce and now coming back to school, they're recognizing that you know there's a need, and the federal government was is now providing a grant, so now you can stu- students can access that funding without having to pay it back. So even if you're not wanting to take loans, there's financial resources that are being uh, dedicated, and they keep going up. We've had a lot of success. I remember four years ago that was a, a exciting time because we were able to go for Advocacy Week as uh, AUSU and participate and have conversations with MPs and talk about how those upfront grants were able to help so many students and provide opportunities for them to achieve their educational goals. And sure enough, a couple months later, the federal government, we had a changeover, federal government, and they put together a budget, and exactly what we asked, which was to increase those grants, they did it. They doubled Mm -hmm. the the grants that were available. So it was exciting as members of CASA who were out there asking for this on behalf of students to see it happen and come to place. So for us, it was a big win. It showed just the value that we can get from CASA and how it can be helping our students.
0: Brandon mentioned, Adam, that, that CASA meets with people and talks about what it is that students need. Who does CASA meet with?
2: So we meet uh, primarily with with federal stakeholders, so mm-hmm. members of parliament, senators, and then other federal organizations. Um, uh, one example could be like the Canadian Center for Substance Abuse. Uh, right. I was in a meeting with them last last November. So it's it's really interesting how we design our strategy very uh, proactively, where we're more politically strategic. To sit down and actually ha- and make sure that we're having constructive, uh, nonpartisan conversations with politicians. We are. We make sure that our our stances are nonpartisan because we represent so many members with diverse political views that it's not really fair for us to say, well, all students believe this, left wing, right wing, whatever idea. Right. But we may, We want to make sure that we're bringing forward these pragmatic solutions I guess is the best way to to describe it so that we can sit down with you know the greens the NDP the liberals conservatives whoever and and try to find ways that we can relate what students needs are to maybe the values of that party and find out how they can maybe best help us and I think that's uh, that is a value that has been very successful for us over the last number of years.
0: Adam, what do you think CASA is going to do in the upcoming federal election? For for those of you who don't know, our federal elections here in Canada are mandated by law, and it's, the next one's going to happen in October, unless, of course, Justin Trudeau and his government fails a... A motion of confidence.
2: What's CASA going to do? So as far as we know, uh, the federal election is hopefully going to be around October 21st. And so uh, we're expecting the rich would drop sometime in September, and that will start Mm -hmm. the campaign period. Uh, We've already started getting together uh, a Get Out the Vote campaign. Uh, Once again, this is a nonpartisan Get Out the Vote campaign. We don't care who students vote for, but we want them to vote. And uh, after the 2015 election, uh, I think we've started to see uh, an increasing tide change uh, in Canada, where students are really starting to realize the numbers that we have, uh, the millennial voting impact as well and that uh, it, we really are able to, to make change and that our votes do really do count as students. So uh, this Nonpartisan Ghetto the Vote campaign is uh, gonna be worked on over the summer. We're gonna have uh, some regional conferences to prepare our members for it. Uh, SAIT in Calgary is gonna be hosting the Western one. Uh, we'll have the Central Canadian one in Ottawa, and then the University of Prince Edward Island Students Union is gonna be hosting uh, the Eastern one. And so we wanna make sure that all of our members are prepared and educated and well-resourced uh, to engage students across the country to make sure that we get as many of them out uh, voting as possible once uh, once the fall comes around.
0: Brendan you think that's important for Athabasca students? Do you think it's it's important that they get out and vote?
1: Oh it really is and you know what it's like Adam was saying you know what the government is taking a lot more notice um, mm-hmm. just after the results because it became very apparent that students did matter. They got out and voted even though the stereotype is they don't that they don't care. Well the truth is they do care and, you know, the things that affect students do matter. And so it'll be very interesting as we approach this election on trying to work with all the different parties to say, you know, what are you interested in uh, in doing for students? Because we represent a very large stakeholder in Canada, and we want to ensure uh, that we're being looked after. So, and you know, when it comes to AU students, that's partly why last year I sat on the National Advocacy uh, Committee was to really start working on that campaign and trying to help make sure that it is accessible to au students because yes we're not going to be sitting there on campus waving at you trying to encourage you to vote but there's a lot of uh, digital components that we're going to be looking at trying to send you to try and make it easy for you to to get out and know where to vote and that kind of information so it's going to be a real exciting time
0: what do you think will be top of mind for au students in the next in the upcoming federal election or put another way if an Athabasca student there's no such thing as a typical Athabasca student. But if there were, what do you think the one question an Athabasca student would have for their MP or for someone running to be their representative?
1: Oh, that's a very big question. <laughs> isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely difficult to say because, like you, like you said, there isn't a typical uh, AU student. So depending on—I'll throw out maybe two. Okay. So one is the, the student who is accessing student aid. Um, we've lots of students who are start to, who are more and more starting to access that they'd want to know what changes the government is willing to look at, um, and mm-hmm. particularly even in regards to uh, pr- um, part time funding, because I right. know a lot of students. That's something at AU that they've really wanted for a long time is increases to that, because most students are part time. You can't afford to <laughs> the, you can't afford to stop working mm-hmm. so you can do full time studies, because full time studies doesn't offer enough uh, loans and grants to be able to to make up for what you were making, mm-hmm. uh, working. So I could see there, that being one question. And the other side is looking at what's the government going to do to support you a- upon graduation? Because a lot of students are looking to either come so that they can start their f- kind of first career or else they're looking at how they can advance what they're in. And you know what? There's a very significant cost. And mm. a lot of AU students, if you're not accessing student aid, you're funding it through your own pocket. And it adds up. And how are how's the government going to help you as you now try to transition uh, jobs and everything?
0: What about you, Adam? If you could prime our listeners with one question to ask their their candidates, what would you give them?
2: If I could, pr- oh, I love priming people. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I find a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun uh, thinking about this question. I've kind of had it on my brain, uh, just trying to trying to narrow it down. I, I would say um, the one the one thing you could ask. Uh, whether it's a candidate that comes to your door or if you're able to you know email your MP or or whatnot um, or ask someone at a town hall as well as we are seeing in Canada rising levels of personal debt mm-hmm. uh, a lot of that can be attributed to uh, interest and loans on on post-secondary education we want to make sure that we have a, a Canadian people that are, uh, that are well equipped with the skills to succeed in the economy, but it's it's hard to uh, to keep making to keep striving forward when debt when personal debt is such an issue. So I would suggest asking these candidates and asking these politicians, what can you do to help make life more affordable for students as we get through post-secondary but as we also uh, come out of it?
0: Sounds good. I don't know how to ask this next question. Well how you know what
1: I think, you, this <laughs> this topic has been very exciting for us, the three of us sitting around the table, yeah. but for our listeners, politics sometimes is a little boring, so yes, we're in a different mindset. So I, th- I thought it'd be interesting for us to kind of contemplate on uh, some of the experiences we've had at CASA, maybe some of the meaningful ones, but mm-hmm. then getting into what are some of the funny and <laughs> exciting ex- yeah. experiences that you've, you
2: you've never, seen. You never know when the weird moments are just going to pop up that you're never going to forget. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough. So wait, let's start with you, Brendan, then. Describe an experience at CASA that meets those criteria.
1: Well, I'll start with the impactful one. Four years ago, when I started uh, student leadership, uh, that was right during the last election. I'm one of the few uh, student leaders who are still kicking around, <laughs> around during that election. It was, in, it was really impactful for me that, doing that advocacy week because i remember going and sitting with uh mps i i I still remember sitting with matt Genero, and talking about student grants and just how impactful that would be for a student i was able to relate my financial experience and talking about how it was a struggle for me to be able to afford to go but that the grants at least helped me overcome that concern of i'm gonna have to finance all this on debt i have to pay all of this back, and am I able, going to be able to, to do that after getting a degree? I can't say I've had a role model first to really go through university, mm. and so that's, that whole debt level was always concerning. And, and it was amazing to see them listen to a bunch of students and contemplate on that and then see after we walked away from those meetings to see the government come and say, you know what, we like what you said, and we'll put it in the budget. Right. So that was like it was very impactful to me to be able to see that kind of thing. And there's lots of there's lots of those experiences and that, but it's also a very interesting time and the mm. meetings don't all go that way. <laughs> no. No, they uh, don't. I our last this last advocacy week, uh I was talking to one of the staff members um at Casa and they kind of put me in a, a group with a stakeholder That wasn't So it wasn't government, it was one of the government departments we were going to be meeting with. And he kind of was priming me saying, don't worry, it's not going to be a big issue. I've got the agenda. I'm going to basically kind of run the meeting. You guys just pipe up when you're there. And really, we're there to discuss. They've got some things they want to run past us and get feedback on. And so I was like, okay, that's fine. And all of a sudden, he got pulled into a meeting. And he said, don't (laughs) worry, I'll meet you there. And so we all of a sudden, we leave Ottawa, we go out to Gatineau and are there waiting for him. Yeah. And he's not showing up, not answering his phone. not. We can't get a hold of anybody. We can't get a hold of the office staff. Everything's in French. It's pretty intimidating for a group of individuals who had no idea. We, we could not read the signs of where we <laughs> needed to go. And oh, finally, no. we found a, Finally, we got the call that uh, he's not going to make it. <laughs> he's stuck in another meeting half an hour away, and he's not going to be able to, to make it. So go ahead and go for the meeting. So finally, we managed to... We didn't even know the name of the individual (laughs) who who set up the meeting to get through security. So it it took us some time. Finally, we made it through. We kind of fumbled our way through getting through security. Finally sat down and they turned to us and said, so the person who organized this meeting, he's not here. So what would you like to talk about? (laughs) And, And It was like, oh. Well, we were the person who scheduled it on our. T- our side isn't here either, and he had the agenda. <laughs> oh, no. but he did reference that you guys had some things to pass uh, to you wanted some feedback on. They said, uh, no. <laughs> so uh, oh, we kind of you gotta it, you gotta think fast on ex- your feet exactly. in those moments. so, really so at do. that point yeah. it, it, at the end of the day it turned out good we started kind of talking about we gave them uh the information package that we were working with and and went through those quickly and it, it led to some really good conversations on student employment and some of the new initiatives that they are thinking of but it was a re- it was a really rough and stressful start when mm. We should have been more prepared, but we were assured that "Don't worry, nothing's going to go wrong." And should have that should have been the key to to know that needed to <laughs> start asking a couple more questions.
0: What about you, Adam? Do you have an experience that's impactful and an experience that's hilarious as well?
2: Oh my gosh, it's hard to it's really hard to pick. I tell yeah. you that much. Like you have so many you have so many experiences of both, right? And Brandon's absolutely right that I don't think there's anything more rewarding than seeing. A budget come out or somebody do a speech and they reference something or they include something or they uh, they enact something that you asked to be in there Um, I think a lot of the time I mean there's so many different lobby groups and there's so many different voices that are on Parliament Hill trying to just be heard and sometimes it feels like you're just one of them and that maybe Mm. if you're lucky you're gonna get heard and then uh, and then you see that you know what at the end of the day Somebody actually, somebody listened to us. They they put us in a budget. They put us in a policy, and hopefully. Uh, somebody, some student uh, at Athabasca University, at St. Thomas University, at, you know, uh, or Red River College, hopefully one of those people is going to benefit from something that I said or that I that I could advocate on. I think one of the most impactful experiences for me this year was uh, when we were invited to meet uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, myself, uh, two other board members, and one of our, our staff in Ottawa. and. Uh, we went through the whole a complete advocacy meeting with him Mm -hmm. uh and then he asked us a couple other questions sort of towards the end and before the meeting was finished he uh he told us you know don't forget about obviously the importance of what you do a lot of the times especially when you're getting into these sorts of positions and you're meeting all these people in fantastic levels of power and who can make so much change that it's intimidating for us and that it's you know such a maybe such a privilege to meet with the prime minister a cabinet member who else but he said don't forget that it's just as much our privilege to meet with you as well because you're also elected by people to to serve a certain mandate you bring you are the experts in your field you bring that that value that can change the direction of a federal budget so that's something that i've really taken to heart is that mm. not not in a way that we should ever be pumping our egos of course but in a way that we are we are the voice, we are carrying the torch of the student movement, and that we're here with so many people counting on us that if we can make just a little bit of difference, that's, that's what we're here for. And that's sort of the most rewarding thing that I think I've gotten out of the whole year. Uh, in terms of a, a more lighter experience... Probably one of the craziest things that happened for me this year was uh, during our advocacy week, we hosted a reception in the in the lower level of the center block, and and yeah. Brandon's laughing because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so we hosted this reception for MPs and senators to come meet with with students and socialize in a much more social setting, not yeah. an advocacy meeting. The reception's winding down around seven o'clock, and this uh, this one member of parliament I won't name him by name, but if he listens to this, he knows who he is. Uh, he comes down and he's and he sort of. Grabs a, a bunch of delegates uh, together and he says, "Come, come upstairs with me. I have something to show you." So we're just very confused, and we uh, we say, "All right." So we follow him upstairs, and he takes us into what's what's the Hall of Honor in the center block of Parliament. It leads to the library and sort of where the central rotunda is, and it turns out that it was the ceremony for the closing of the center block and. Mm-hmm. Anyone who was anyone in Ottawa was there that night. We had past prime ministers, members of uh, members of parliament, senators, cabinet ministers, and they were just a floor above where we were running our reception. But we we walk in there, and it's just you automatically get this sense of wow. I very humbled to be amongst mm-hmm. so many incredible people, and so the. Uh, then the Prime Minister and the Governor General and the speakers of the House of Commons and the Senate come out. They give their speeches, leader of the opposition, the NDP leader, or the NDP House leader at the time, and they all go away. And so we're all sort of socializing, still can't believe that we're here in the closing ceremony of the center block, because it's going to be under renovation for 10 years. And I look behind us, and the Governor General has come back out. <laughs> and I turn, and I'm, and I'm talking with a couple of other CASA delegates, and I, and I sort of lean over to them and I say, Guys, what if we go meet the Governor General? And they look at me and they go, What? And I say, Let's do it. So we start walking towards the Governor General. She's walking towards us. Uh and I and I just sort of reach my hand out and I say, Hello, uh nice to meet you. And and she's and she's very she was so great about it. I think I caught her off guard a little bit, but she she just she took it very, very well. She's probably very used to it. Uh and I said, you know, I really, really enjoyed your speech. Uh, We're a bunch of student leaders from across Canada that are doing an advocacy week here right now. And it's just incredible to see how you speak and and how so many other, uh, just the amount of other incredible people who are here. And she leans in and she says, well, you're probably all going to be politicians in this uh, House of Commons one day, won't you? And a lot of us are like, oh, maybe it's something we'd consider. (laughs) And she says, well... Before you run for office, I have a recommendation. And we're like, absolutely. Whatever the governor general says, we will follow her recommendation. And she says, I think you all need to become astronauts before you run for (laughs) parliament. (laughs) Because she herself is a former astronaut. And so we're all like just... You know, st- starstruck, but by, yeah. by the fact that we're speaking to the Governor General, and we all nod our heads, saying yes, yes, Madame Payet, we will absolutely uh, become astronauts before we run for Parliament. And then we get a quick picture, and she walks off. So <laughs> that was that was one of the most wild experiences I think I've ever had in this in this position. But you know what? And I'm going to recommend anybody listening to to check this out this year. So because Parliament's closed for because the center block of Parliament is closed for the next ten years, you can't see you know the House of Commons and the Senate there. But they've built a temporary House of Commons and a temporary Senate. And I was just in Ottawa last week doing a presentation to the Finance Committee of the House of Commons on behalf of CASA. And uh, I, after the presentation, I sat in question period in the new House of Commons. And this is what's going to be used for the next 10 years. It's a gorgeous space. It's absolutely (laughs) incredible. They've converted the courtyard of the West Block into an indoor House of Commons. And it's just incredible to see. So anybody who's in Ottawa who's going to be going to Ottawa... Check all of this out because they've built so many new pathways and and beautifully built sort of systems and buildings and all this under Parliament and in the West Block and it's it's just great to see. So take advantage of it while it's while it's still here for the next ten years ish. <laughs> if we're lucky, ten years, I guess we could say, knowing that it could be fifteen. But we will be at uh, uh, <laughs> at the Cast Foundations Conference from May 27th to 31st in Ottawa.
0: Well, then when you're there, you'll have to check out the uh, temporary House of Commons and temporary Senate. Anyway, that's all we have for you guys today. We're uh, this is the AUSU Open Mic. Thank you so much to our two guests for joining us, and uh, good luck in Ottawa.
2: Thank you very much.